Thank you very, very much for coming to our seminar today. As you can tell by me wearing shorts, I've never been to Scotland before. Um, loving Edinburgh so far, really excited to, to be here. Um, we are going to share today uh, about God's heart for the nations, uh, our story on him catching us up with his heart, and I'll hopefully just leave you with some principles on uh, what you can do if God's been speaking to you about maybe church planting or being involved in you know, going to the nations. So that's, that's kind of roughly where we're going. Uh, we are going to be in Kings Edinburgh tomorrow morning with the church, just sharing a bit more about our Berlin adventure. So uh, do, do come and hear a bit more about that tomorrow. But, um, for those that aren't going to be there, just to let you know what we're doing this year uh, is a church planting internship. We're doing a year of training with Redeemer International Church in The Hague. This is me in the bottom right having some fun running a football club at a local refugee camp. This is Sarah on the left leading some worship in the, the beautiful city of The Hague. We're loving ourselves. We're having a great time building relationship. Um, we're enjoying ourselves. We're enjoying ourselves. Thank you. <laughs> this is really dangerous. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're having a really good time building a relationship with the team and just learning lots about church planting. So that's, that's what we're about. What we're going to do is um, we're going to use the word nations to help us. And so I'm going to just pick out a principle uh, from the word nations and use the letters, uh, the letters of this word to help us. So firstly, N, the nations, I'm going to start just by sharing God's heart for the nations with you. And I'm going to give you a whistle-stop tour of the whole Bible, hopefully only in the space of about five or so minutes. But really, this is an incredible book, isn't it? This is a book from heaven, from God to us sharing about his story for his people. It's a story of salvation. And we get this story of salvation and of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth right from the beginning of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, all the way through to the end of the story in Revelation. We hear about God's heart for his people, this story of salvation. And it starts right at um, the beginning of the book of Genesis, where God calls our father Abraham, the great patriarch, Father Abraham. He was a father to the Jews. And God called him and said that he was going to have many descendants, as many as there are grains of sand on the seashore and as many stars as there are in the sky is the amount of children that he's going to have. And he called Abraham and said that I want you to be a blessing. In fact, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And he also said that um, in you, i.e. one of your descendants, that's going to become a saviour who is going to save all people. So this is right at the start of the story. And as you follow through the Old Testament, we get these glimpses of this saviour. We get these glimpses into this Messiah who's going to come and save his people. I love Daniel 7. It talks about uh, our great Messiah. It says, and to him who is given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Again, similarly, in Isaiah 9, it says, For to us a child is born, Merry Christmas, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. So there's these prophetic talks in the Old Testament about a king that's coming and his kingdom. There'll be no end and his kingdom will go on and on and it will be a glorious kingdom. Then we get other prophetic passages like Habakkuk 2 and Isaiah 6 that talk about the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
And there's this sense that one day the Saviour is going to come and all people, the, all people will see him as if the, the glory of God covers the earth. And uh, actually that is not just a fulfillment of something that's going to happen in the future when Jesus comes back for us. But it's also a bit of a prophetic mandate on us as well, that we're to see that glory, God's presence here on earth. And you get different seasons in the Old Testament. You get the seasons of the kings. And um, uh, what happens is God's people kind of mess things up. And then you get the seasons of the prophets where, where generally, I'm sort of generalizing here, throwaway statements, where, where uh, prophets would come and call God's people back to his plan for them. And so there are some of the prophetic statements. But at the end of the Old Testament, after having given these verses of a Messiah that's going to come for all nations, it goes quiet. For 200 years, there's silence. And God's people are like, but you spoke. There was going to be a Messiah, a saviour that was going to come. And it goes quiet. And then after 200 years, we get this funny bloke coming on the scene, a bit like an Old Testament prophet, wearing camel hair and eating, eating locusts, and are coming out of the desert and, and saying to people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's John the Baptist. And he's talking about Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, he's at hand. And Jesus comes on the scene and he talks about this kingdom, this everlasting kingdom. And he doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't just proclaim the kingdom. He demonstrates the kingdom on earth. He demonstrates this wonderful kingdom, this story of salvation for us on earth. And we, we're here because we're celebrating this amazing story. Jesus didn't come as they were expecting. They were kind of looking for a king, a bit like King David, who would come and rule and reign physically and geographically. Jesus came humbly, a child to us, is born. And Jesus grew up and then he, he set his face like a flint to the cross to Jerusalem. And we're here because Jesus won us and he died for us and he saved us. And this glorious message of salvation actually was then passed on, not just for one special group of people in the Old Testament, but for all people. Galatians 3 talks about this fulfillment in Christ. It says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, told you about him a second ago, saying, In you, this is Jesus, shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, this gift of salvation, this inheritance, wasn't just for one special group of people that would display God's glory, but it was for all people, Jew and Gentile. In Galatians 3, 28, 29 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And uh, Jesus continues to live out as he dies, resurrects. He then talks about the kingdom to his disciples before he ascends up into heaven. He tells his disciples to go and make more disciples. He commissions them, the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations. And just before he's about to ascend up on high, he tells the disciples, wait in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to send the helper, the, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and empower you to be a witness. In Jerusalem, where we're hanging out right now, in Judea, the next region, in Samaria, that people group you wouldn't normally hang out with, and to the ends of the earth. And he sends the Holy Spirit after he's ascended on high. And they're empowered to be that witness, to take this message of the kingdom, this message of a glorious saviour, to the ends of the earth. And as you read the book of Acts, you can follow this pattern. You see the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You see it happen throughout the book of Acts. And the rest of the New Testament is full of the apostles writing books of encouragement to the, the disciples and the early believers saying, keep going, keep going with this gospel. And um, 
really, when we think about what is God's heart for reaching the nations, we read the book of Acts and we see that God's plan A is actually to start communities of believers. We call it the church. And basically, the apostle Paul would go on his missionary journeys and he would share the good news of Jesus. He'd proclaim the kingdom as well. He'd demonstrate the kingdom. People would get set free. They'd get saved. All of a sudden, there'd be a bunch of believers, Christians. And then Paul would move on. He would appoint some leaders, start a church and move on and do it again. And this was this was the plan for, for how we would get the message of the kingdom and the story of Jesus to the ends of the earth. The plan A is, is the church. There's a couple of quotes for you just quickly about about the church and church planting. A guy called Bob Roberts in his book, The Multiplying Church, says this about church planting. Churches have to own church planting, and that means giving it to the people. It has to be viewed as seriously as any other ministry in the church, if not the core of what it means to see radical transformation in communities, the nations, and the world. Multiplication is what local churches must do throughout their life cycle to ensure that the gospel goes forward in their country. Multiplication is what a kingdom looks like. Multiplication is the hope for the future and the potential base from which the church will expand expand, expand globally. Another guy called Ed Stetzer, he, he adapts a modification of um, a quote from Peter Wagner. He says, the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches, who in turn then reproduce themselves. This is how we're going to reach the nations. This is how we're going to share the message of the kingdom of heaven by starting churches. And just fast forwarding, well done, we've made it all the way through the Bible, right to the end now, Revelation. We see the completion of this story. It's amazing that we've got the end of the story, isn't it? We see in Revelation chapter 7, let me read this to you, this incredible picture of Jesus sitting on the throne and someone from every tribe and nation around the throne of God. It says this, after this I looked, this is John, seeing this vision of Jesus, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. There you have it. Genesis to Revelation. God's heart for the nations. Kingdom coming on earth. A saviour coming for his people. God wants to stir our heart. Uh, as, as his heart beats for the nations. So that's the nations. We're going to move on and tell you about adventure. But actually, we're going to tell you about our adventure. Um, yeah, my name's Sarah. We haven't said already. This is Pete. And uh, we just want to inspire you really today to go for what you feel God's put on your heart. And obviously, if you fancy joining us, that'd be great too. <laughs> just putting it out there. Um, but generally, just really hopefully some of what we'll be sharing is not because it's about us, but just so that you can also think, oh, wow, like if they can do it, seriously, if we can do it, then you can totally do it. Um, so I grew up in Germany, and in 2005, I did a gap year called Impact, which FYP, some of you may have heard of. Um, just like a year with the church, um, which transformed my life because I wasn't very happy as a teenager. Um, lots of things happened. My parents broke up. Um, 
yeah, I was generally quite sad um, growing up and um, had enough. And so I said to God, do you know what, God? I'll give you one more chance. <laughs> I was really low, as if God needs one more chance. And um, I thought I was really cool. And um, God actually is really, really kind and uh, totally listened to me in that time. And I remember being in my room on my own at home and I read, randomly opened my Bible and read um, Genesis 12. Um, where God speaks to Abraham and says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Um, and I was like, wow. It was like what Dave Holden was saying earlier. It just jumped out at me. I was like, oh, okay, I need to go. Where do I go? And so I talked about it with my youth leader. I was uh, 20 at the time. I was kind of, sort of still out of youth, um, but he was helping me with it. And um, he was great and he prayed for me and we tried to push loads of different doors and nothing really worked out until three weeks before the program started and I ended up being able to move to England and do this year gap year, not knowing even where this place called East Grinstead on the map even was because it's so tiny. Um, but I went in faith and it was amazing. Um, and then the big adventure almost started by staying in the UK. My dad then passed away sadly when I was 21. And um, it was a really hard time to decide whether or not to go back to be with my family in Germany or stay in England where I just started doing youth work and it was going so well. And I saw I grasped the gospel for the first time properly and I understood grace and what it means to be on mission rather than be a missionary. We had like in Germany, we had a missionary board where you stick a little I don't know if any of you ever had that. Do you know missionary boards? It's really bad. Um, I mean, don't tell anyone who has them that it's bad. It's, it's good to pray for missionaries if that's why you have them. But um, it just was this wrong understanding growing up of going on mission means you go to Africa and someone, you, you're on a postcard and you send that to someone, they pray for you. And I don't know, it was just this weird thing of just going for like five years and then coming back to your context. And it just was a bit twisted in my understanding. So actually, when I came to the UK, I felt like I was missionary at last and I wasn't going anywhere actually my adventure started by staying in the UK and um, not going back so yeah that's it for now yeah cool so for me uh, the adventure of coming to Christ really well I grew up in a Christian family my mom and dad are absolute legends amazing parents uh, God-fearing parents but um, I just thought church was boring to be honest not relevant um, and so did the kind of classic teenage rebellion thing, pretty big style, like when I was 16, 17, didn't go to church, really turned away from God. Uh, but then I started uh, working for some guys who, it was landscape gardening, I started doing in, in my kind of holidays and um, actually after college. And uh, these guys were really cool, genuinely the coolest guys you ever meet. We used to go surfing trips and snowboarding, fishing at the weekends. And they were, I heard they were Christians as well. And I thought, that doesn't make sense. How can you be a really cool person, really kind and loving and a Christian? Anyway, it kind of just began this whole journey of actually God just, uh, it was a setup. It was a setup from God, just hanging out with these guys. I started asking questions about God, the Bible, the church, seeing the way these two friends of mine loved their family members and treated people. It was attractive. It was a bit like what Dave was saying. There was something about uh, God in them that was very, very attractive. And uh, I got baptised when I was 18. And to be honest, from that moment, I've, I've just always known that God was calling me to give my whole life to, to him. And actually, to be honest, since that moment, I've, I can't stop thinking about God and his church. There's just something in my head. It's just, OK, how are we going to build the church? How are we going to see 
just God's bride, just make him more and more famous across the land. And so I knew from day one, really, when I was 18, that, that God was calling me. Um, around that same kind of time as the, the final year of Stony Bible Week, numbers of us who part of the New Frontiers Family Churches, the final Stony, they had this giant G and this giant O at the front of the adult meeting. And um, I snuck out of the youth meeting because I wanted in on the action with the adults. And I saw this giant G and this giant O, and there was just something it did in me. As, so we're talking about closing Stony and going, going on this mission to the ends of the earth. Anyway, what happened after that? The pastor who was leading our church, uh, where we're from, and he screeched uh, when I was 20, was going to start a new church in New Zealand on the other side of the world. And he said to me, well, why don't you come with me? Because I wasn't sure what I was doing in my life at that stage. And so I did. I went and had an amazing year in New Zealand, right at the beginning of a church plant, helps out the kids' work and the youth work. And again, this just installed something really deep in me about church planting and the nations and going to the nations. And so kind of fast forward, um, I basically then came back from, from uh, New Zealand and um, got back involved in the church in East Greenstead. And I've been on staff at the church in East Greenstead for the last 13 years. But in the midst of that, we met. Do you want to take over? Yeah, so that was us individually and us as a couple. Um, I ended up studying music in the UK, which is really cool. And um, Pete was working for the church, as he mentioned. Um, we sort of got together through my dad's death, um, I think, because Pete also used to have a brother who lost to, to cancer, sadly, when he was younger. And we just felt that we connected on that level of like family loss, um, like a nice thing that came out of a sad situation for both of us. And um, we are very different people. Um, and so we've had the joy of getting to know um, God's call individually, as well as together on mission, being cross-culturally different, as in I grew up in a completely different country. Actually, my dad's from Egypt, so that throws a whole other different culture in the mix. So we've got Egypt, Germany and England mixed together in a pot. Um, my mum was awesome. She was a hippie when she was younger. So um, <laughs> I grew up with a mum who was really cool and slightly crazy, super fun. And yeah, and Pete coming from a British quite very polite, which is a super awesome strength. And um, so, yeah, I, I learned a lot of lessons, let's just say that. And um, you can ask me questions about that later if you're interested. Um, but basically, we then started dreaming together and as a couple praying together about what we feel called to do even before we got married. And um, it kind of quickly became quite obvious that the three main things that we're called to do were family and as in by that as you can see there's a lovely girl there this is Georgia um I was gonna say orphans but I don't like labeling her as an orphan because she is loved and looked after um but we felt really really passionate about orphans and children who don't have families and parents and um, we actually had the privilege of four and a half years ago uh fostering this lovely young lady um so that and then um Business, yes. Uh, music industry, we actually ran a business together as well. We had a performance academy, singing and dancing. Um, that's what I love doing. And so we feel a huge call to the creative industry of music and the kind of pop cultures and stuff. Um, and church, obviously local church being the hope for the world and um, seeing a restoration in, in churches as well. Um, is that? That's great. Yeah, so we got married on the 18th of July, 2009. Yeah, so uh, anniversary coming up soon. And um, we, yeah, as Sarah said, God's just put these three big passions on our heart, uh, family, business, and church. And so I guess more recently thinking, well, why Berlin? It's great God's called you individually and now together on this adventure, but what's the Berlin bit all about? 
Um, well, I've loved being part of this family of churches that is now new ground. There was a season as New Frontiers was just growing and multiplying where there, there wasn't much kind of, well, for us as a local church, we hadn't joined a, a kind of group yet. And uh, I was really excited when we joined in with Dave because for someone that had a call to the nations, that was a big deal. And now all of a sudden we're praying for, for the nations and church planting. And I was part of that. And um, New Ground had this prophetic word, was well, really a question from God, Have has has God forgotten Europe? And uh, really God put Europe on the map for us as a family of churches. And this just this just kind of got us thinking, really. I spent the, the kind of last decade or so just really pushing God and saying, when, where, God, when, where? I know you've called me to the nations. Where is it and, and when? When do you want me to go? Um, and actually, to be honest, when we took G in and I joined the eldership team and he screened I just started this season where actually – I didn't ask that so much. I was kind of really content with the, what we were doing and, and the going on a mission and experiencing caring for G, starting a business. And I just kind of got content. Um, well, that was the moment where God said, oh, okay, then let's, let's stir things up a little bit. Um, one of the guys on the new ground team, Phil Moore, came to me and he, he shared the um, verses from Luke 19 uh, where, where Jesus sends the disciples down to get, get the donkey. He says, um, go into the village in front of you where on entering you'll find a colt tied on which uh, no one has, has ever sat on. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need for it. So basically, uh, Phil Moore was calling us a bit of an ass. He was calling us a donkey. He was basically saying that um, he, he felt like God had given him a picture um, where uh, he, he uh, felt like he was to, to play a part in the untying of us carrying the message of Jesus to the nations. And at this time, like some other kind of opportunities were opening up to us that we were praying about. Was God calling us to this nation or this city or this place? And uh, this just started a whole process of asking God, well, okay, God, where and when and how is it going to work? And uh, we also, as a couple, just knew that there was going to come a time when we were going to live in a city one day. We really felt like God had put capital cities on our hearts. And so we just kind of prayed through a number of different situations and to be honest, we entered quite a tough season of basically saying, God, what does this look like? It took quite a while to kind of define it for us, the call of God on our lives. And um, we, we talk uh, quite regularly in our kind of family churches about Ephesians 4 ministries and, and the gift of grace that God has given to us in the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And I can honestly say that our calling was defined out of most of those ministries. We had the prophetic, we had prophetic words speaking to our lives. We went out and had some dinner a couple of times with Dave and Liz, uh, an apostolic voice speaking into our lives and helping give some direction. And then our local pastors, the elders in our church, were so gracious and patient and loving, shepherding us and helping us just process this calling. And basically, there kind of came this day where um, we had an elders day away, actually, and, and the guys were just like, come on, Pete, let's really help you make a decision here. Because it, it was going on for quite a while. And they just got me to share about the options that God had opened up before us. And apparently, when I talked about Berlin, I became alive. I was talking about these other couple of options, and then I talked about Berlin. And I was just like, and they said, well, what are you worried about? <laughs> they said, this is glaringly obvious. God is calling you. So I shared stories and things. And since then, we've been able to look back. And to be honest, I think we were just being a bit deaf and a bit blind because God was prophetically clearly speaking to us about Berlin and how important that was. A couple of really quick stories. One was my nephew, George, who's an amazing young guy. He actually feels called cool to go church planting in Berlin. And um, he didn't know we were praying about this. And um, one time he, he came and stayed with us and um, he just shared this out of the blue. And I'm um, really like, quite close to my nephew. He's, he's a really cool guy. And uh, as he shared this, we were just like, 
this, this man, we're talking and praying about this. And this, Sarah calls him like a mini me. Apparently he looks like really similar to me and just uh, acts quite similar. And it was, in one hand, it's quite small and insignificant for those who don't know it. But for us, it was a really big deal. Another thing was a friend of ours in East Grinstead was uh, um, doing a kind of church meeting with him on a Saturday. And he just said to me at the end of the meeting, he said, Pete, I feel like I've got a word for you, but I just need to go home and just pray about it. I'll give it to you tomorrow at church. So he came to me on a Sunday morning with this piece of paper. He printed out a map um, from the internet on his computer. And he basically said to me, look, God spoke to me yesterday. He gave me this phrase, but I'd never heard of it before. So I wanted to go home and just Google it and see what it was. So he typed into Google this phrase he'd never heard before, Postanoplatz. He put it into Google and I up jumped this central square right in the middle of Berlin. And so he printed out this map of Berlin and Potsdam Platz and brought it to me it's and said, cool. I've, I've ne- I'd never heard of the word before. I didn't even quite know how to spell it, but I put in what I thought the spellings were and up jumped uh, Berlin. And then actually more recently, something ties into that. Uh, we do um, we've got a little website where we're just sharing our story, trying to get people to pray for us or an opportunity for people just to kind of hear more about the adventure we're going on. Someone watched one of our monthly vlogs, videos that we put out, where I was asking for prayer for God to give us direction, some prophetic vision. And a friend, Kevin Rhodes, who's on the New Ground team, he said, well, I saw your video, he sent me an email, and I stopped and I asked God if there was anything for Pete and Sarah. And all of a sudden, this phrase jumped in my mind that I'd never heard of before. Didn't know what it was, so I thought I'd put it in Google. And the phrase was Potsdamer. And so he puts it in Google and up jumps Berlin. And uh, he sent it to me and I sort of replied really quickly saying, no way, you'll never guess what. And then sent him the exact other thing. Yeah. Isn't God good? God's amazing. And so this is the Berlin adventure that God is calling us on. So what we want to do now, just uh, for the remainder of the time, with the rest of this word, nations, is just share hopefully some helpful principles for you. If you're thinking about what does God's heart for the nations look like for me? It's been great hearing your story, Pete and Sarah. Thank you for sharing your adventure. But what about me and my adventure? And so we just want to share uh, really just a few principles. These, this isn't a complete list and they're not even sort of in order. They're just a few principles that may well help you today. And to be honest, there'll be uh, quite a bit of repetition from some of the things that God's been speaking to us about already. But the first one, is training, T, a nation's T, training. First bit of preparation, if you feel maybe God's calling you to the nations or calling you to church planting, is I want to encourage you to go after discipleship and training. Uh, I've, I've uh, run a couple of marathons. Um, I, I enjoy running, I'm quite a sporty guy. But to be honest, I've run two marathons really badly. And uh, a lot of that was to do with my training or lack of training. Uh, Athletes, when they're about to enter an event or a race, uh, they they give themselves to training and preparation. Well, let's just say the first marathon I did, I didn't give myself to much training and uh, got pretty much halfway through and had to drag myself through the rest of the race in order to say that I finished. Um, I don't think I've I've actually, I know I haven't, I haven't actually finished a marathon yet because I haven't actually finished running or completing a marathon. I, I walked across the line I still don't feel like I ran a marathon yet, because in both cases, the second one was the opposite extreme. I overtrained. I'd gone from doing nothing, and I thought, oh, this time, I've got to do it. I started really early, and I put myself through the motion so hard that my body said, uh-uh, no, thank you. My hip and my knee flared up. And so about a month before the race, I just couldn't then do anything. Really bad preparation. I want to encourage you, if you feel God's called you to an adventure, you need to prepare. And part of that is growth preparation. What I mean by growth preparation is discipleship, your relationship with God. 
I want to encourage you, grow as a disciple of Jesus. I have a, um, a screensaver on my mobile that is a picture of an iceberg. And it's just a, a classic illustration where people talk about building depth in your life. Apparently at icebergs, 90% of an iceberg is unseen. It's under the water. You can't see it. And the, 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 what that speaks to me is, is so important about preparing my heart and, and inside and, and growing uh, in my character and my relationship with Jesus. We want to grow and become more and more like Jesus. But training as well. It's not just personal development. Actually, if you're going to join a venture in a church plant, most of you are in churches now, it's how do we grow as leaders? What about leadership development as well? How are you growing in the gifts that God has given you? Well, there's many ways that you can just get involved in serving in church life. And um, I know that a number of us will, if we're, if we're part of New Ground, would have heard of the Academy. Or if you're part of Relational Mission, I think it's called LEAD. Um, these are just excellent leadership training courses that we run as families of churches. I would just highly recommend it. If you're leading in any capacity, go for it. Can I add to that? Yeah, um, the church leadership programs are really great, but don't forget as well that if you feel like you're not called to full-time working for a church, then um, there's loads of leadership things as well within what God's gifted you to do to do as well. So that's not mutually exclusive. I just wanted to make that clear. Um, so if you're a photographer, let's say, then train and find the best photographer around you and train and then do that to the glory of God within your church planting adventure or within because God's calling creatives and artists and doctors and lawyers to do it, to go and church plant. So just trying to disperse that kind of mystery of do I have to be a pastor? Yeah, it's really good. It's great that we're doing this together because... Sarah works as a musician, so she's thinking about, you know, her, her gift as a musician, um, a church pastor. So I'm always thinking church context. Whatever grace gift, whatever gifting God's given you, grow in it. And we are also talking here about your relationship with God and how you can grow in your relationship with God. But certainly when it comes to leadership and growth and how you can grow in the gifts God's given you. I think we, I had a sabbatical before we started this internship. And I think one of the best things we did in that sabbatical was we went to Bill Hybels Leadership Summit, and he's really passionate about this as well. He he looks to equip the saints, and that's whether you're a church worker or in your vocation. And so he's got some great speakers that come in that some of them aren't even Christians. They're just talking about how you can grow in your vocational gift. So yeah, we're talking here about discipleship. You're a follower of Christ, but also the leadership gift that you carry. And you're all leaders, friends. You're all leaders. And actually, all of us are leaders. You might not have a big responsibility of people. Rally is we lead ourselves, we lead our families, we lead our friends in the sort of person that we are around them. And I'm sure there's many contexts where you're serving and teams that you're part of where you can just grow in your leadership gift. Next letter and point is identity. And it's just great following on from Dave's session here, just talking about how we've been chosen and appointed. Chosen, you've been chosen by God. And I think... The biggest way of preparation, just following on from this point of discipleship that comes with training, is about the foundational preparation of growing your identity as a follower of Christ. I love the illustration. Some of you may have heard of Neil Anderson, who uh, came up with the Freedom in Christ course. I love what they, they do in that course, getting people to think about who they are. They say, well, if you were to stand in front of the mirror and describe yourself, what would you say? So if I'm standing in front of the mirror, I say, who am I? Is the question. Who am I? Okay, well, I'm Pete Benton. Like, no, that, that's your name. Okay, well, I'm kind of uh, got got blonde hair and sort of. What colour eyes have I got? 
sort of greeny browny eyes. You're like, no, no, that's what you look like. Okay, well, um, well, I'm, I'm an English guy. No, that's that's where you're from. Well, I'm a church pastor. No, that's what you do. Who are you? Right at the challenge and the core of that question is, who are you at the heart of that? And um, we're children of God, aren't we, friends? We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Uh, 2 Corinthians, just some famous truths for you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And uh, later on in, in that chapter, it talks about this famous verse, the great exchange. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, when you look in the mirror, what you see is the righteousness of God. You see a reflection of Jesus in you. If you're in Christ, if you become a Christian, what's looking back at you is Jesus. You are righteous in him. And when it comes to thinking about adventures and callings, so often there is this pressure of the superstar kind of fame, culture and society that we do do live in. And we think, oh, actually, well, maybe if I do something significant for God, maybe then he'll love me more or he'll think I'm more amazing. No, <laughs> you're chosen. You're chosen. And we get our significance and our security from the single fact that we are in Christ. We need to learn to be content and to live for the audience of one person. We need to be able to say, Jesus is enough. If this church plant just, you know, is is incredible and sees loads of people saved, fantastic, Jesus is enough. This church plant happens and we only touch one person's life, fine, Jesus is enough. We don't wrap up our identity in what we do. It's about who we are as children of God. Just love the Father heart of God. Just love when Jesus says over his son at the baptism, before Jesus done any public ministry, hasn't healed anyone, hasn't done any preaching, the Father says over Jesus at the baptism, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's just the delight of the Father over us. So the Father is as much delighting over me and loving me now at this stage, before we plant the church, and the same when I get to Berlin and have planted the church. The same for you. He loves you for who you are. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And there's nothing that you're going to do that is going to change that fact. It's amazing. It's so good. And I think it's such a foundational preparation point for us when it comes to thinking about this adventure that God is calling us on. Next letter and principle is similar, talking about heart preparation. Uh, obedience. So I had a friend challenge me two years ago. Um, I had felt got this specific example was about songwriting for me. And I felt God speak to me about it, wrote it in a journal, didn't tell anyone about it um, and didn't do it either. <laughs> and so um, this friend, uh, Lou, challenged me on it and said, um, you really ought to be obedient if you felt God speak to you about something. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I don't think I'm good enough. And all that time waste. Um, and actually discovered that that was false humility. And that's actually ultimately pride as well. And she said to me, Sarah, love, God's love language is obedience. And you don't have to worry about the outcome. You're just obedient with what you feel he's putting in front of you. So, um, just doing what you feel. I mean, you probably all have something, one thing already that you know God said to you that you haven't done yet or that you haven't stepped out in, right? Maybe? Maybe I'm there. I'm sure, like, <laughs> there's things you don't have to tell me, don't worry. Um, but something maybe that only you know or only one or two friends or partners or whatever know. Um, and I think, um, yeah, it's really important to actually bring that before God actively and say, do you know what, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm going to try and just step out in it. And it's scary, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll just do it. And that ultimately means 
sacrifice as well, which is the reality of it. I'm not come to tell you like it's too hard because <laughs> there's a flip side in a second. Um, but basically the realities of sacrifice sometimes can be really painful. And we've certainly had some really rough seasons recently. Um, we loved looking after G, that girl that we were looking after. It was really, really hard to leave her behind. And she felt she wanted to stay in the UK. And that was right. Um, but it was really difficult. And we really miss her. And I was like, why do I have to lay that down? Like, man, that's not fair. And um, my business, I had to stop my business as well. Um, I still have it, but I'm not running it currently because we'll relaunch it. But again, there's sacrifice. And I'm like, oh, damn it. Like, And there was like probably about 50 people going through it a week. And then I had to explain it to all of them. And not all of them are Christians either. So it was really hard to say, like, what, you're leaving? And this is going really well. I was like, I know, it's going really well. There's not really actually a reason for you right now because you don't understand the whole Jesus thing. So really, really difficult. Lots of tears. I think I had three days when I when I stopped my academy for a while. And I just cried and I was ill for three days. And I just want to share that with you, not so that you feel sorry for me. But just there is sacrifice. But that's okay because actually... If I'd stayed in that place, maybe also I could never see the massive fruit also that is about to happen. And it's not about that. I'm not making the choice because all oh, those better days ahead. But if I'm obedient, God's never going to let me down. And this verse really spoke to me um, in Matthew 19, uh, 29. Yeah. Uh, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on it, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, um, glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, this was a bit that got me, and everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children, I was like, people leave their children, I'm not the only one, that's good, um, or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And that doesn't make the pain any easier, but there's a promise attached. and sacrifice is not negative because in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says don't conform to the patterns of this world, which tell you have a comfortable life and do everything that's easy for you, but actually be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll know what God's will is. And I, I want to know what God's will is. And yeah, sometimes there's pain, um, but that surrender is amazing because actually he also provides new things and does things that you can't even imagine. Um, so I want to instill hope in you, and hope is actually not ignoring bad stuff. Hope is doing something hard, but knowing there's greater days ahead anyway. Does that make sense? So, um, yeah, surrender is important. Um, if you know that old song, I'm giving you my heart and all that is within, I lay it all down for the sake of you, my king, and you basically give everything down, give your dreams, your rights your pride your for the promise of new life so you you it's not ours anyway and he will bless you and he will open doors for you and there will be opportunities and there will be new things again but actually the principle of surrender we actually learn from jesus he died you know so that we could have life and and not forgetting the gospel is really really important because we get so wrapped up in our little calling and our thing that we should do but actually every single day man i need jesus to die for me on the cross every single day can I hear a hallelujah? <laughs> but seriously, I think like really realizing the gospel and that Jesus died and that is a real reality and he gave up way more than we'll ever give up. We don't have to die on the cross, which is incredible. So just putting it into perspective. Um, yeah. Do you, want me, do you want to read that verse? Um, 
Yeah, so I'd encourage you to surrender to him because he will bless you a hundredfold and you'll get eternal life, which is epic. Great. So a couple of kind of foundational principles really just about getting our heart right um, on him, in him. Uh, just, I guess, a really practical one, just to throw in the mix. Uh, if you know there is a specific nation that God has called you to, um, you can start preparing for that now. It might not be the right time for you to go to that nation. There's nothing stopping you from preparing for it now. And so some obvious things just to throw out there. You could go on holiday to that nation. You could go and visit it on a regular basis. And whilst you're kind of relaxing and enjoying a holiday, just go on prayer walks and just say, God, when's the right time? What do you want to do in this nation? You can just start dreaming about the things of heaven happening on earth, about that specific place. One of the things I'm starting to do now before we get to Berlin is starting to learn German. So if you know there's a specific yeah. uh, language that uh, you're going to use one day, don't, don't just wait until you're there. You can start learning these things now. And there's all sorts of things that we can do in study and preparation to get ourselves into that culture, into that nation before we actually get there. And also to say you can start thinking creatively evangelistically as well. So there's a family that are coming with us to Berlin. Uh, Peter Sabina Cow, I think some of you might even know Sabina. She was a student here. Yeah. Sabina's been excellent uh, with this, knowing that maybe God was going to call them to Germany one day, being German. She started a German mums group in her church. And so she started reaching out to people from that nation already. Some of those mums have actually come along to Alpha and she's got all sorts of stories and testimonies about how God's used her in that environment. That's amazing. We don't need to wait until we actually get to the nation, start growing that seed that God has planted in us in preparation for that call and for that nation. So just a quick practical one for you. Um, last one, and uh, some of you might not like this one, but I just felt it was important really just to put this word submit in and really have some humble preparation. I put submit, I was thinking oh, maybe I should do serve, serve the local church, but I did feel it like submit was important. and. What I mean by submit is, is really asking your local church elders and leaders and friends uh, to help you with your adventure and your calling to the nations. And for some of you, that might be tough because when you hear the word submit, it actually doesn't mean what the Bible means it to mean, if that makes sense. Sometimes, uh, actually, pastors and shepherds, they don't always do a great job. <laughs> uh, you may have heard this phrase, heavy shepherding. Sometimes there's this over-shepherding of people and actually your thought of submit is just not a positive thing. Sometimes pastors neglect that responsibility just by teaching wrong. And so I can understand if, you, if even if I've said that, you've been like, oh, I'm not sure I like that, Pete. But actually, let me just encourage you and challenge you to actually think about what the real meaning of that is and to pursue, even in your imperfect leaders, actually a really godly friendship where actually they can speak into your life. They'll speak into your life. Let me read Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give to an account, give an account. Let them do this with joy and with not with, sorry, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And really, I guess if I was to use another word, maybe on submit, I would say trust, Tr trust your leaders. You know what? The reality is sometimes there's people in your life that know more about you and know you better than you know yourself. And actually, if we've got good Christian friends and good Christian leaders that we can trust, 
more often than not, they're actually going to be able to speak into your life and really help you. So I was sharing with you earlier about our call to Berlin. This is our story. It was amazing to have the prophetic, the apostolic, and the shepherding and the pastors and the teachers speak into our life. If I had it my way, I'd have run off to the nations years and years ago. But actually what I did, by the grace of God, with their love and patience and grace, was I submitted it to my leaders and to my friends, Christian friends, and said, this is some of the dreams and the passions and the visions I feel God's put on my heart. This is what he said. What do you think? Can you pray with me? Can you help me? Can you support this calling that God is leading me to? Not, not kind of, actually, I've got an idea and I'm going to run off from that by myself. And actually, I think um, Mike mentioned this as a throwaway comment this morning as well about the importance of apostles and prophets working together. You know what? So often we can kind of have our idea and maybe even that prophetic word that you were given and you might have your interpretation and your understanding of what you think it meant. And actually it might mean that you then run ahead. But actually the whole point of a local church is that we can weigh things together and actually there's people that love us who love God, who love us, and that we can entrust with these things. And so really, this might not even really be much of a positive point to finish on, but <laughs> I'm just urging you and encouraging you. We'd love to kind of just finish in a second by, by praying for you. But I think if there's a dream, if there's a nation, if there's a calling, if there's something of God, I just want to I just want to urge you and maybe, I guess, challenge you a little bit. Why not entrust that to your Christian friends? Why not entrust that to your Christian leaders and just ask them to speak into your life? Because actually what you might find is that God ends up speeding up the process, if anything, and to that place that he really wants to take you to and grow you in. Yeah, I mean, we that's that's the word nations, finished. Um, we, we were kind of like, we wanted to say something about um, make sure you have fun along the way, but there was no, no more spare letters. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and just the importance of laughter. Yeah, just uh, the joy of our salvation, enjoying the journey, enjoying the adventure, enjoying God. Uh, it's not supposed to be boring and, and, and tiring. Like there is challenges and there's things to crunch and work through. But um, I mean, we, we're just loving it. We're enjoying the journey. And I think that's because we're in, we're in a safe place. And uh, it doesn't quite fit in the word, but have fun in, in your preparation and in your calling and in the adventure that God has for you. And treat yourselves, okay, you know, guys as well as girls. I've learned that from the lovely couple over there, <laughs> not sitting together, um, who lead this church. Um, it's really, really amazing to actually listen to that advice because you can be like, oh, I'm a Christian, I need to work hard. and really, Actually, like, go and like have a haircut or go and play golf or do something that you really enjoy with some people. That was one of the best pieces of advice we've got from these guys, so thank you. Um, that's really important to remember as well. So we're going to finish in five minutes, and we'd love to pray for you uh, at the end. Sarah mentioned about questions. I don't know if anyone's got anything that they're thinking, can you answer this or that? Or... Yeah, because the prayer, we want to pray for you, but we also really felt that it's important that you pray with your leaders about this. So it's always easy for someone to come in and pray for you, and it's actually not necessarily always weighed by the right people um, in the room. So it would be really good that you also take that prayer, that we'll pray over you with you to your leaders, if that's fair to say. Um, so Any questions? Whoa, well, the question at the back. Uh, do you have any tips on like knowing when to go? So uh, you obviously have had a calling in quite a long time. At what point were you like, all right, it's time for us to get you up with the hay for a year and then further after that? 
So that would be a great example of the point I'm trying to make. No, I don't have an idea because I don't know you guys. Uh, but actually what I did is I submitted my story and who I was with my friends and my leaders and said, can you help me work out the right time? So if I'd had it my way, I'd have gone at, at 19, 20. But actually we recognised that in the call of God, God's hand on my life, actually, no, 34 actually was the right time for me. And, and the reality is, again, to know a few of you in the room, but, but I don't know you, so I don't know your story, your situation. But I can guarantee your Christian mates and your Christian leaders will know you and things God's spoken over you a lot better. So I don't know if that helps. <laughs> In Berlin. Yeah, yeah, we're starting to. So I think we've visited Berlin eight times now. And um, the second half of this year of preparation, we're going to go another six times. And so we're starting to build friendships and connections in the city, uh, both uh, Christians and non-Christians, churches. And uh, so, yeah. Um, Please pray for us. Uh, if you're not going to be uh, at King's Church tomorrow, uh, you can check out our website. It's www.berlinadventure.tv. And uh, you can subscribe to a monthly email we send out uh, with prayer points and a video update. And, and um, we would love for you to, to pray pray with us. Uh, we're actually hosting Dave and Chris are going to help me um, host some prayer days as part of New Ground, Berlin and Germany, 1st of July in London Sid Cup. And then 28th of October in Berlin itself. And so I'm not really, I'm just elaborating on your question, really. I think, um, yes, we are making connections in the city, but pray we make some more. Sarah, what's your scariest thing at the moment? Not knowing the future, I think. And. Uh, Having given certain things up, not knowing what my time will be filled with, um, probably it's quite scary. Um, and moving twice is not necessarily, maybe not scary, but it's hard work. So I'm, I'm a bit irritated by that sometimes <laughs> because that means packing up. I've just packed up four months ago, four and a half months ago, and then we're living in the hang now and I have to pack up again and then find another place. So that's maybe not so much scary, but. That the thought of moving again does maybe worry me a little bit because it's stressful when you end up arguing when you move what well, I do. Maybe you guys are a lot better than that. Uh, yeah. Last one. Um, are the things you've learned so far that sort of surprised you when you started this training year that you maybe kind of didn't realise for yourselves or about what was ahead of you? And also, is it, have you got sort of an idea of what? There hasn't been any big surprises. I think we've been blown away by um, God's people in the church and Redeemer. They're an amazing church and we've made some really good friends really quickly. And I think we're almost going to be sad to leave, to be honest. Like, we're not because we're called to Berlin. But um, I think that's the thing that surprised us. Oh, man, we've already made some incredible friends for life. And that's been a great, great blessing. I'd say provision, actually. Um, it sounds so stupid to be like, man, God actually looks after his people. But he does. <laughs> and we always get surprised when he does. But it's amazing. So I think provision, money, um, home, like, 
amazing friends yeah. yeah yeah every time we come to god we're just by ourselves or together we're just like man wow god you're you're so good you're you're providing you're so grateful you're, yeah you're a good god and i think yeah. the sort of church and we just want to be really open we're not going in with a plan uh, we're going in to learn to love the city and so while sarah grew up in germany um she hasn't lived in berlin i've never lived in germany or berlin so we really want to go in as students. We want to go in and learn how to love Berlin. And um, so whilst we want to kind of scream the gospel from the rooftops, uh, we also kind of want to go in slowly and patiently and learn, God, how are we best going to reach the city? And that might be English, it might be German, it might be both, it might be in a cafe, it might be in a nightclub, it might be in a... Who knows? I think um, we've got a few prophetic words and ideas, but we really want to lean into God. And we want like everyone, because you were saying about creatives, yeah. we do want creatives, but we want business people, we want older generation, younger, singles, yeah. married, children, everyone, yeah. basically. Okay. Why don't you stand up? So you've listened to me do a burst on God's heart from the nations. You've heard us share our story. I've changed my mind. I'm not actually going to pray for you. I'm actually just going to ask God to come and speak to you. Yeah. Because uh, we just want to land this on a place of what's what's your story, and um, literally just uh, not not very long, but I just want to give uh, God just a moment, just to just start germinating and planting some seeds that maybe are already planted in you, or maybe even right now in this moment, God wants to speak to you about something. So, Father, thank you so much for this this time together, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for you. <laughs> we thank you that right from the beginning through the end, it's it's all about you, Jesus. Uh, we thank you that you've won us and that you've saved us. And we just want to share your love with, with others. And I thank you for this amazing room full of people right now. And we just pray as we just shared a bit of our story that we would have encouraged them and stirred them. But I pray right now, Lord God, even as I just shut up for a minute, I just I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us. You'd speak to these guys and just uh, whether it's a seed that's already been planted or whether it's something you want to plant right now, I pray that you would lay nations and cities and people groups and giftings and dreams and passions on hearts Thank right you. now in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you. I've just got this word really just um, just God reminded me about the parable of the sower and that the seed that falls on good ground and it bears fruit and it bears fruit and it bears fruit and it bears fruit and I just feel like you know our hearts is the good ground. 
and where people are saying, God, we're just submitting to you. We know that we trust you, that actually you're not going to kind of squeeze us into something that that's kind of a, against us or, or not good for us or just sort of overriding us. But actually, that's good. And uh, we know that actually your seed comes and it lands. And I just feel like the sower is there and he is scattering the seed right now. He's just throwing it out. He's throwing it out. Some actually will go on hearts that actually it, it, it doesn't grow so well. We know, we know the story. But there's actually, we're here with good hearts. And uh, the promise is that actually we'll bear fruit. And uh, we just, we're trusting God. We're trusting our good God in that. That actually he is the one and actually it germinates and it just grows up. It just grows up. It's not that we make it grow or we kind of force it. It just grows. It grows because it's good soil. That's why it grows. And that's and, and it's a good and the seed itself is good seed. It's actually good seed, even the stuff that lands on the stony stuff. But actually, it doesn't grow so well because of the soil. But when we've got good hearts and we just say, God, here I am. We just, you know, this is my life that you've given me. These, you know, four score years. Uh, actually, I just want them to be fruitful for you. Uh, and I just feel like, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's the word. That's great. Do you believe really passionately that local church is the hope for the world? And so praying for churches to be planted all across Scotland and all across Europe. And I know that actually there'll be some of you in this room that um, feel called to church planting and just say, just go for it. Uh, but there will be others of you that it's, it's, it's the church and it's the message of Jesus. But as we've shared music industry, care for your family, there'll be other kingdom dreams that God would have planted in, in that moment just then when you just stopped and listened. We just love for you. Don't, don't leave today without writing these things down. And then speaking to someone about it. Because these are seeds that have just been planted right now. They're kingdom seeds. And God wants to water them and grow them. And make huge, huge impact by your lives, by Jesus in you. So thank you so much for coming. And thank you for listening. And I hope it's been of an encouragement to you. Great. Thanks.